WTL, everybody. I'm your host, Andy Class, and joined by Jabron. Oh, the Parlay Pounder. You got it. We're back. Yes, we are. And uh, a little bit of a Super Bowl uh, hangover, but it was a good hangover. Uh, it was. We, uh, most importantly, we picked the winner. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, the Chiefs came out and kind of took care of business. Everybody's kind of, you know, iffy on that last holding call, but, you know, that's for the ref to decide, not us. So. And the receiver or the defensive back straight up said, yeah, I held him. I was just hoping he would let it go. Yeah. I mean, when you have an admission of guilt by the defensive player, yeah, we ought to like to have seen the last possession. Um, But I think the rules of the game might trump what the viewers want to see as far as (laughs) (laughs) deciding a game. I agree, Um, Andy. And uh, yeah, like you said, he he broke the rules and, uh, you know, it, it, no matter what, I think the Chiefs were in really, really good position to win that game. Yeah. Uh, yep. No matter what, they did a really good job, and then that that heads up play by McKinnon, their uh, sliding at the end, really sealed the fate for the Eagles. So it was a very good game, one of the best Super Bowls I can remember in in a long time. A lot of offense, man, and that's really where we're, we're going to talk about uh, yeah. this first segment is a uh, Super Bowl recap, and then of course some of our hits and our misses. We yeah. had a lot of fun with Super Bowl 57. Once again, I want to thank everybody that uh, played our, our prop pick'em challenge. Yeah. That was, man, we had some guys that were making some picks. 18 yeah. to 25. Yeah, 18 to 25, 17 to 25. Took home the gift cards and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, thanks for everybody for coming out and doing that. And, yeah, those were a lot of fun things, Andy. You know, heads or tails or, you know, will Travis Kelsey get a touchdown? Will Jalen Hurts go over this many yards? Uh, very fun stuff, and uh, yeah, some some of our listeners were really good at it. Yes, they were. Uh, yeah, and I, I we all looked away for some reason at the Super Bowl party I was at when they dumped the Gatorade on. Everyone was, what color was it? What what color was it? It was crazy. It was, one, it was the color nobody expected. Uh, you know, everybody's thinking lemon, lime, green, red. You know, one of those Orange. three colors, and then purple comes out of nowhere. And it seals the fate for everyone. So if anybody had a, I had a bet on it that was any other color than lemon lime was at plus money. So I, I did hit that one. Ooh, there you go, Mr. Parlay Pounder, <laughs> killing yeah. it at the end. You know, Gatorade, man. I, I gotta say, I was a little nervous right there. <laughs> there is the folks watching us on YouTube. Uh, we got a Gatorade, orange Gatorade, <laughs> made the appearance. Um, but right before kickoff, they went through the whole panel's picks. And I think it was all eight of those guys were on the Eagles. And I'm thinking, oh, man, do they know something we don't? Yeah. Because we both went with the Chiefs. Uh, we, you know, gave Philadelphia a lot of credit and said, yeah, they might have a better roster, but they don't have a better quarterback. Although Jalen yeah. played great. I'm not wow. taking anything away from him. And yet I just thought Andy Reid fired Philadelphia's coach just a couple of seasons ago because he wasn't yeah, good enough. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, everybody was on the Eagles. Everybody that I talked to was on the Eagles. And I just think it was just because they had such a, you know, a good roster up and down at Andy. And yeah, like you, like you said, we came, we just came back to the superstars are on Kansas city side, you know, with Travis Kelsey, Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes. Now, 
with Jalen Hurts not fumbling that ball in the in in the first half and scoring that touchdown, that yeah. might have sealed the fate for the Kansas State Chiefs going up on them by uh, two ben. two and a half scores there. That was huge of him to fumble that ball and give Kansas City that defensive touchdown. Yeah. Major turning point in the game for me. Yeah, there. Well, it was a Super Bowl full of big plays, uh, yeah. and that was definitely one of the biggest. Uh, you really do got to tip your cap to Jalen Hurts. I mean, he had an all-time oh, performance. Sure. 15 rushes for 70 uh, yards. That's about a five-yard average. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Uh, one of them killed a lot of bets out there, that first one, because Gainwell, they called him in. I know, Looking man. Back. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> another crazy prop bet that I put in right before the Super Bowl was I put in a bet that the first touchdown score would be over-under, and I picked the over yeah, yeah. Jersey number 11 and a half. So I really needed oh. Gainwell to be in there. And then obviously number number one got in there. So it went, it went under that. So I was really banking on Kelsey to hit that for me. But uh, Eagles got the ball first. And I really thought I hit it with uh, Gainwell. I was jumping up and down. And then uh, hold up, hold up, review, yep. review. So nope, that, <laughs> that one started me off on the wrong foot. Well, uh, since we're already talking a little hits and misses, let's talk about yeah. one of your hits. We had so much fun throughout the entire Super Bowl week. We had those daily picks that we put out on YouTube shorts. Got a lot of traction, a lot of interaction. I do want to say I I don't want to call people haters, you know, because yeah. just because they disagree with us, that's okay. That's all part of the fun, right. you know. The entire panel on Fox Sports disagreed with us. And, yeah. hey, we were right. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that Terry Bradshaw is a dummy. <laughs> yeah, of course <laughs> you know I mean, so I, I love the interaction. And if anything, I really like to hear other people's thoughts and where they're coming from. It just makes you a better sports fan, sports better in general. So I welcome all the feedback. And it doesn't just have to be the stuff that agrees with us. Of course, Andy. No. And uh, yeah, anybody that gives me a little flack on Twitter or, you know, uh, <laughs> YouTube or whatever, I love it because I, I know that I'm not all knowing and I know that I'm not, you know, one of the smartest guys out there. I just like, you know, looking at the data, looking at my favorite players and saying this guy's probably going to score a touchdown. And one that I really called early in the week was Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown. Ooh. Just anything leading up to this game, you knew yeah. that this guy was going to have a big game. Yep. It, it, it kind of happened for him in the first half, you know, that he had his big shining moments and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But he was still that he was still that guy for Patrick Mahomes. Anytime that he needed a crucial play or anything like that, six receptions, 81 yards and one touchdown. Very good game for the Kelsey. Targeted six times, hauled all six of them in. And man, yeah. that touchdown, that was just pretty. Both those yeah. guys are on the same page. Perfect dime over the shoulder. I mean, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. And I, I'm glad you went there because I wanted to ask you, a lot of people were betting the six and a half receptions are over. Yeah. You shied away from that in your daily picks, and you went with the anytime touchdown. What led to you betting the anytime touchdown over the receptions? Because he was right there, but he was a half catch short. It did not cash. Yeah, the, the thinking there, Andy, is just like, uh, just like with Patrick Mahomes stuff, you never know what game it's going to be. You never know if it's going to be a shootout. You never know if it's going to be, you know, one team gets up early and then it becomes a running running game for, you know, you know, uh, one of the teams. So uh, seven and a half or, you know, six and a half catches, that's a lot of catches to have during the point of a game. You know, yeah. you're sitting there saying Travis Kelsey, obviously he's going to do it. Um, but, no, you, you kind of think that no matter what, he's going to have a touchdown in the game just because they're going to get – within uh you know yeah. the red zone and he is the biggest red zone threat of them all so that's what i was thinking on that instead of the receptions 
And I got to give you a little credit here. I got to go over some of um, one of my misses. And I, I gave you a lot of flack <laughs> last week over the big plays. Any passing play or play over 40 yards or more. Definitely a couple of them. <laughs> there was a couple of them. Jalen Hurts only had two passing touchdowns over 40 yards the entire season. Yeah. And he ends up with two of them in the yeah. Super Bowl. A 45-yard long pass to Devontae Smith. Another 45-yard long pass to A.J. Brown. I mean, it was just like that second one was just like just twisting the knife a little bit. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But I mean, they're a big play offense, and man, did they they come to play? I thought it was an enjoyable Super Bowl, and you nailed it with the. It was decided by field goal. It was decided by three. Yeah, and I mean, it just felt like that type of game, Andy. And <laughs> these two teams were so evenly matched and so good. You can literally just kind of flip the halves, you know, in general. Yeah. That's that's how the game played out. Like. Eagles won the first half. Kansas City snuck it out in the second half, just barely, and uh, very fun to watch. But yeah, that <laughs> those big plays, Andy. I, I like after I said the over, I was you know kind of doubting myself, and just seeing uh, Jalen Hurts heave that ball that long, you can tell that he's not used to doing that. It took yeah. all the oomph to get it to the end zone for that yeah. AJ Brown touchdown in the first half. So uh, I can see that that doesn't happen very often, but it's a Super Bowl, and you got to go with the big plays. Yeah, and along with that, I kind of doubled down on on what I thought the Eagles were going to accomplish through the passing game, um, so I kind of shorted them. So the 244 yards over under on passing yards for Jalen Hurts, he went way over, over 300 yeah. yards, 304. Yeah. So two of my props that I felt pretty good about going into the big game, boy, they were uh, – and it didn't look good from the get-go because <laughs> yeah. Jalen Hurts was dicing, slicing and dicing up that defense. Yeah, no, no doubt, Andy. And if anybody took any overs on Jalen Hurts, you're probably sitting there with some cash in your pocket. You know, yeah. 300 yards passing, over 70 yards rushing uh, with three touchdowns. If you just went over all touchdowns, you had four, one passing, three rushing. So anything with uh, Jalen Hurts, you're sitting pretty, uh, pretty good at the bank. Yep, yep. So that kind of does it for our Super Bowl recaps, our hits and misses. Yeah. We can get into futures. Those lines are already out. Yeah. Uh, maybe next week or the following. Do you want to do a rundown of what we got coming up? Daytona 500, right? Yeah, we got the Daytona 500 coming out on Sunday. Uh, we got some crazy basketball action. We got the Terps coming to Ooh. Nebraska on Ooh. Sunday. We got Creighton big game this weekend. And we also got KU with another uh, top 25 matchup with Baylor. Every week, the Big 12 supplies us with multiple top 25 matchups. Just a phenomenal conference from top to bottom this year yeah. we're also going to talk a little boxing and ufc is that how right how could i forget fight night in las vegas uh, uh a woman fight to you know just close it down it's going to be a really good one so uh yeah stick around and listen for that all right before we let everybody go let's take a minute to say thank you to one of our presenting sponsors and that is the nebraska brewing company world class in every glass i'm enjoying the Cardinal in my Kansas City Chiefs koozie. So congrats to them on their Super Bowl victory. And they're the odds on favorite again to win it next year. You heard the horn. We're up against it. So don't go anywhere, folks. WTL will be right back. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. Goes and. D class and joined by 
Jabron. Oh, the Parlay Pounder. We're back. Let's do it. We talked a little Super Bowl recap, some hits and misses, and uh, looked a little ahead there with obviously the Chiefs being the odds-on favorites, even though that lines out way too early. But, hey, if it's out there, people are going to bet on it. No doubt. So we want to talk a little NCAA basketball, March Madness right around the corner. And we had some really good competitive games from the local teams. Nebraska, obviously, pulling off a big-time victory over Wisconsin. The fighting Chucky Hepburns fell a little short. And then Creighton lost a heartbreaker on the road to Providence. Uh, They had their opportunities. And the Kansas Jayhawks are just kind of doing what the Kansas Jayhawks do uh, when we get into February and into March. They are dominating. No doubt about it. So are we going to start right there with the Kansas Jayhawks and what they got coming up? Yeah, Andy. This is a, actually, we're talking top 25 matchup. This is a top 10 matchup. Yeah. Baylor Bears coming into uh, Kansas, number nine in the nation, playing number five, Kansas. Uh, these two teams are just on fire, Andy, both winning four of their last five games. Yeah. And like we said in uh, the past, you know, uh, every night in the Big 12, you're playing either a top 25 school or a top 10 school because – the Big 12 this year is just stacked. It's, a, it, yep. it's just a very fun conference to watch during basketball season. And respectively, these are one and three in the Big 12 as of right now. Yeah, and you got a guy like Jalen Wilson that continues to light up the scoreboard, averaging over 20 points per game in about 35 minutes, averaging 35 minutes per game. So he doesn't really uh, take too much time off. He's just always on you, and he's always looking to attack to score let's see here kansas on a one two three five six six of the last seven games and their only loss coming to 13th iowa state at iowa state a game by the way we called or maybe we split on it i think i think i kind of like iowa state on that one you did you got that one but you got kansas state right so exactly and on the other side of the ball there's uh keontae george for the uh baylor bears dude this guy's averaging about 17 points a game uh and you know four and a half rebounds three assists so just a really good all-around player and uh he's just one of the best players in the big 12 so that that, there's some big names in this one and obviously some nba talent as well and it's there's a log jam at the top of the big 12 and that's why they have all these top 10 top 15 teams you have kansas at nine and four texas at nine and four and baylor at nine and four so this this game coming up is going to weigh heavy into the seeding as far as the Big 12 bracket. And if you do good in the Big 12 bracket, you usually get a phenomenal uh, seat in the NCAA tournament bracket. And, of course, Kansas wants that one spot. Baylor would kind of like to have that one spot. So a lot of things kind of in on the balance on this one. Yeah, Andy. Um, and and I, I just got to come out and say it. I think the Jayhawks are, you know, kind of have switched gears here. Yeah. They, they have been playing a lot of close games and stuff before the last, you know, you know, couple weeks or so. But it really seems like they found their niche, their their way of playing. And I really think that they're going to beat Baylor when they come into Lawrence. Um, it, it just seems that they're clicking in all cylinders right now. They just beat Oklahoma State. They were down early in that game yeah. and, and then just came out and beat them by 11 points in the second half. Same thing with Oklahoma. Everybody's scared of Oklahoma right now just because they're that team that, you know, not necessarily supposed to beat you, will come in and will beat you. They yeah. beat them by over 20 points. So I, I really think they're they're rolling right now. And I, I think 
after these last couple, you know, road victories, they're ready to get back into Jayhawk form at home. I feel like the turning point for them was that Kentucky game. And we talked about that Kentucky game, but going yeah. on the road, beating a surging Wildcat Kentucky team and beat them up pretty good. 77 to 68. I mean, didn't blow them up, but I felt they were in control, especially at the end there. Uh, yeah. And then since that point, yeah, they won what it was uh, five of their last six. Once yeah. again, that only loss coming to Iowa State. So I feel like they've hit another gear as well. Uh, if you had a look into your crystal ball, where do you think that line would be set at? Because, I mean, I obviously I like the money line for Kansas at home. Yeah, no, it's going to it's gonna be a straight across money line, probably, you know, minus 120, minus 115, something like that. I believe the line will only be about two points to one point just because Baylor is rated so high and they're so high in the Big 12 standings. The only reason I, that people will give the edge is just because it's played in Kansas. All righty. Should we move on to the Big East? Let's do it. Okay. Another Saturday matchup, 630 Central Standard Time, way out on the East Coast as Creighton has to travel out to St. John's. And yeah. St. John's, they've been playing pretty well as of late. Creighton dropping that heartbreaker the yeah. other night. Uh on the road, um, out there in Rhode Island, um, Ed Cooley, I, he's one of my favorite coaches. Um, so be. I'm never surprised uh, to see the Friars do well. And they obviously had just enough double overtime. It took them to get to double overtime, but they obviously they ended up outlasting the Creighton Blue Jays. Yeah, Andy, it, that was just a heartbreaker to watch because Creighton had the ball in the last possession in first regulation and the first overtime yeah. and yep. really didn't really – get a shot up either time that they felt good about right um and and, and people are going to bat their eye at the st john's team but like you said they've been playing really well as of late they just beat providence which yes. we just said just beat creighton yep. so this and just went into a double overtime game of themselves against depaul which they pulled out the victory at depaul so yeah this st john's team isn't nothing to bat their eye about i mean i don't think you could coming in with a 16 11 record that's very very good um just you know one win behind Creighton overall and it's in Queens so you know uh, Creighton struggling a little bit on the road uh, obviously losing to Providence but I do like Creighton in this you know uh, in, in this scenario. I'll tell you what though one of the big reasons I like Creighton this year versus maybe some years past because they've always been good at scoring yeah uh, three-point shooters across the board but they never could rebound Right. This year, they're amongst the leaders across the nation as far as a rebounding team. Cockbrenner is a difference maker. Even when he's having an off game, he still yeah. impacts the game in such a manner. Uh, defends the rim, obviously gets his seven rebounds per game. He's averaging, um, he's leading the team with, uh, in points as well, around 15 right now. Yeah. But St. John's. They are a rebounding machine. They are fifth in the nation, averaging yeah, nearly 38 boards per game. That is better than Creighton. They're also a team that can score and score a lot. They're actually uh, about 1,000 points more on the season than Creighton. So this is a dangerous team at home. Um, I just don't know how to feel about this one because I, I would normally say Creighton here, but they have to travel out to Providence you know, out to Rhode Island, fly back, then fly back out to the East Coast to take on St. John's at the travel. I think it does make a difference. And if I'm just looking at stats, man, there's a lot of things to like about the Red Storm right here. 
Yeah, exactly, Andy. And it all really kind of boils down to Joel Soriano. He is okay. their center. He is their all, you know, he's their all Big East guy, averaging 15 points and 12 rebounds. He's their all-over best player, one of the best big men in the Big East. Uh, Cockbrenner is going to have his hands full and going to need some help from those forwards to really clamp down on this guy and box him out as well. So, no, I get exactly what you're saying, Andy, because this is – I'm not saying that this is an easy win for Creighton at any any point, but they have to win this game to hold position in the Big East and yeah. to hold position for March Madness as well. So I think Creighton knows what's going on, knows where they stand, and know they're kind of on the teeter right now. So they have to win this game Saturday, and I think that they're going to come out and show that. That's a great point. That, that loss, that heartbreaking loss to Providence, did put a lot of pressure on this St. John's game. Uh, it basically came down to a pick em earlier this week with uh, Blue Jays versus Providence. Probably going to yeah. be a similar scenario with St. John's. I don't think it's going to be over two and a half. No, exactly, Andy. Uh, yeah, Creighton was just favored by one point against Providence. Yeah. Now that they're probably a niche lower uh, in the standings, it's probably going to be an even or just that minus one for Creighton to win this game. So, uh, again, I, I really I, – I, I back the Blue Jays, but this is going to be a hard-fought win for them for sure. Coin flip, give me the Blue Jays as well. Maybe that's a little bit of Homer in me. All right, let's go. talk about Nebraska, Maryland. Maryland coming to town. That's a 4 o'clock Sunday tip. <laughs> Fear the turtle. Fear the turtle. <laughs> uh, on FS1. Um, you got to think Maryland's going to be a little bit of a favorite, even though Nebraska pulled off uh, the greatest come-from-behind victory of all time in the Pinnacle Bank Arena, anyway, against Wisconsin. That was an impressive win. I kind of was thinking to myself, oh, here we go again. But somehow the Huskers bounced back. No, I was at the game, had great tickets, Andy. And, uh, yeah, every time Chucky was getting the ball, we were booing. The whole stadium was booing. <laughs> and nothing against the guy, but it was a very fun atmosphere to be in. But, yeah, that first half when we get down 11 to 15 points, you know, you start getting that feeling that, oh, here comes the old Huskers. We're going to, yeah. you know, we've been playing a couple, you know, good games. Here comes yep. another letdown. But, no, it came roaring back. Tominaga was electric oh yeah even Griesel hit a couple shots down down the uh down the stretch that really helped the huskers to victory not only did they win that game they went out to rutgers last night and got the victory as well andy and nobody was expecting that not only did they win they beat a rutgers team that is you know at you know pretty much at the top end of the big 10 uh that they were anyways at top of the big 10 standings when uh you know, a couple of weeks ago, but since then they've cooled off, obviously losing to Nebraska, but it's a very good win for the Cornhuskers anyways. It was. It very much was. And that was right after the Creighton game or, or you know, uh, kind of simultaneously, but then after you got wrapped up Creighton, you got to watch the uh, Rutgers-Nebraska yeah. game. So uh, pretty cool to watch the two different programs and kind of go in different directions there. And you said it just right. Griesel made some plays down the stretch, not only of the Wisconsin game, uh, but the Rutgers game too. So I, I think you're starting to see a little bit of what Hoiberg, there's the horns who are up against it, but what Coach Fred Ho- Hoiberg kind of envisioned with this team. They're starting to gel. They're starting to get scoring from different places, different areas. And it's not all just loaded up on your backcourt. Your front court is starting to help with some of that scoring. No, I agree, Andy. But I have to say, with the Maryland Terrapins coming into town, it's going to be a different story. They just played. We just played these guys on uh, January 28th and lost to Maryland by over 20 points. So give me the Terrapins. 
All righty. Well, let's take a minute to recognize one of our fabulous sponsors, and that is the Nebraska Brewing Company. I've been enjoying cold beer. We've been talking about that a lot as of late. Their new cream ale, Nebraska Brewing Company, world class in every glass. Don't go anywhere. This is WTL. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. Where's the line? Nebraska's first and only sports betting show. We're joined by Jake Bartecki here, Jabron, the parlay yeah. founder. <laughs> Jake, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys having me. Uh, I, I got to get that right when I have you on my show, Andy, that it's where's the line, not what's the line. I'd say about 50% 50, 50 of the time I screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right one thing you don't screw up is your nascar and we got the great american race coming up so that's why we had to have you on jake glad you could be here let's just start it right there jabron do you have your eye on any favorites because you were all over the clash yeah. <laughs> a couple weeks ago out in the coliseum yeah no i was all over that that's just a fun one you know it's a you know kind of a just a starter race to get everybody back into it. Um, if, if you look at the, you know, just the top five, there are a couple guys that I really like, obviously Kyle Larson, I like a lot for this yeah. race. Yeah. Um, obviously he's top of top of the list there. And then I really like Kyle Bush as well. So those are my two guys that I'm looking forward to, but I'm also uh, trying to get some nuggets out of Jake here to see what he wants me to do. Yeah, well, Kyle Larson, he's at the top at 10 to 1. Chase Elliott's also 10 to 1 early line. Denny Hamlin, 11 to 1. So they're really stacked up there at the top. Jake, how are you leaning? Well, you know, Jabron, it's interesting that what you'd say about Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson, because if you would ask Kyle Larson what he thinks about Daytona, and don't get me wrong, Kyle Larson is probably the best overall race car driver in all of racing. I mean, right. if it's dirt, if it's uh, NASCAR, the one place that he has really, really, really struggled are on restrictor plate tracks. Uh, his average finish at Daytona and Talladega, and he would agree, are poor. Um, if you asked him what he thought about Daytona, he would hate it. Kyle Busch is similar the same way. Now, the thing with Kyle Busch, while he was at JGR, um, you know, th there's less teammates there because a lot of these guys, when they work the draft, they go with their manufacturers, and you've got probably about a dozen or so Chevrolets out there. You've got two dozen Fords, You, but you only have five or six Toyotas out there and four of them are your own teammates. So you had less allies, but the last few years, some to his doing, some to not, not to his doing, he's gotten caught up in wrecks at, at uh, um, Daytona. Now yeah. he's going over to Richard Childress racing where that's where Dale Earnhardt raced. We know how good he was at restrictor play tracks. His teammate, Austin Dillon has won at Daytona twice Kyle Busch is the more sensible pick there. You know, there's a couple of guys. Um, if you look at the odds on FanDuel, the, the, the odds on favorite is Ryan Blaney. Um, yeah. He's one of my favorite drivers. He's won at uh, Talladega twice. He's won Daytona once uh, at the Firecracker 400, the summer race. Um, mm -hmm. He's also finished in the 500 second twice. And he has led over 170 laps in the Daytona 500. For anyone around his age in NASCAR, that is far and beyond anyone else. He just hasn't yeah. led that last one. Probably should have won that race last year. He got put in the wall by his teammate coming off of turn four. <laughs> Denny Hamlin, another three-time Daytona 500 winner. Super yeah. reliable choice. 
And then you go down and we can get into this more, but you've got guys like Brad Keselowski, who is, a, a you know, he's at a different team than he has been for a while. He was at his, you know, in his first year at RFK racing last year, he was right there. He's won Daytona in the summer as well. And he's won Talladega a handful of times. There's a lot of guys out there and it's one of the races you really can pick from the heart. And we'll talk little value picks in a bit, but this, this race, if you've got, if you want to throw some money down on somebody that's plus 10,000, this is the race to do it. Uh, I want to throw a little prop that's been catching some action here. I'll send it to you, Jabron. Then Jake, I want to get your thoughts on it too, because it brings up a guy that I end up talking about a lot. And that's Joey Logano to finish better than Kyle Larson. It's a minus 114 bet. So, you know, you risk 114 to win a hundred bucks. Uh, where yeah. are you at with that one, LeBron? Well, obviously with just all the information that Jake gave me, uh, I, you have to go with Logano, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. The hard part about that is, and especially at a race like Talladega and Daytona, is guys can pass each other. Just it's just because it's the yeah. it's the nature of pack racing. I mean, guys are so tight all the time that it, it really all it takes is one shove in the middle of the draft to pass somebody. Mm-hmm. Now, what what I then come down to that is, all right, who's less likely at a track like Daytona to get caught up in a wreck, and the past would tell you that that would probably be Joey Logano. Logano's won the race before. Kyle Larson hasn't. Kyle Larson's been caught up in that wreck multiple times. Um, and, and like I said, he's just not as solid as Joey Logano or a lot of those guys at the uh, at the plate track. So that, to me, is what I kind of break it down to when I've got one like that. If the big one happens, who's more likely to figure out how to evade it? And to me, that's Joey Logano. Heck yeah. I like it. He just convinced me. So Logano on that one, Andy. Logano on that one. What'd you say those odds were, Andy? Minus 114. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's good. Depending where you're digging that up. uh, Jabron, do you got any other props that you want to dig into? Well, I just kind of wanted to see, uh, you know, you know, everybody throws a lot of money on, you know, who's going to overall win the race. You can really find some value on top 10 finishes or top five finishes. Um, in most of those are, you know, plus 110 or plus 105, stuff like that. So uh, a guy that I really liked that you, you touched on a little bit there was Austin Dillon, Jake. And I think he's kind of a, you know, up and comer right here right now that I think can, you know, he could win this race. I don't think he will, but I think he'll be towards the top of the pack. So I'm looking at Austin Dillon uh, to probably have a top 10 finish here. Yeah, that would, I mean, that would make it two in a row for Austin Dillon if he did get a top 10 or win because he yeah. won the race yeah. in the summer to punch his ticket to, to the playoffs uh, next year. Go. What I got to say, though, about Austin Dillon, just in the fact that on FanDuel, and I think uh, if you look around at, at Barstool and DraftKings, they're all right yeah. around here, a little below, a little above, but right at plus 3,000. I mean, yeah. for a guy that is driving yeah. for a, a team that has really been dominant in restrictor play tracks and Richard Childress racing, a guy who's won the 500 before knows how to work the draft. Well, um, you know, for the most part stays out of trouble. That's just one where if you want to put $5 down, you yeah. might as well, because the return is going to be outstanding. When you're talking long shots, a name that I saw crop up and I don't know if you can put any weight into this, Jimmy Johnson, 40 <laughs> to one. And he hasn't even qualified since 2020. Right. And, and that's the thing is, well, he stepped away from, from NASCAR for a while and, you know, he's now got to qualify, you know, as we're having this conversation, qualifying is going on now and he could punch his ticket in tonight. 
he could do it on Thursday at the duels. Um, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, with this, it's a, he, it's a funny situation because I think if if you said that to him, if if you told him you were going to bet on him to win the Daytona 500, he would kind of chuckle because I don't know, I, I don't necessarily know what Jimmy is there for. I don't know if he's there to win. I don't necessarily know if he's there because he loves racing. I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I guarantee you if he's coming off turn four and Jimmy Johnson is still in this thing and he's in those front four or five cars, he's going to do everything he can to move somebody out of the way. I mean, it's, that's who Jimmy is. Yeah. 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 He's always a threat. No doubt. I mean, when he, when he's in the right frame of mind. All right. So we got a couple minutes left here. Jabron, who's your overall favorite then? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just, just, I, I think my overall favorite is Hamlin to win this race, Andy. And then, you know, just like you said, with Blaine and Hamlin going back and forth, those are my top two to go into it. And then, you know, it, it's a long shot, but uh, I like Austin Dillon. So those are my top three, and those are the <laughs> ones I'll be throwing money on. Jake, mm-hmm. why don't you give us your top three and why? So my top three, um, I'll start kind of from third to first here. Um, my number three is Ryan Blaney. Um, it, it's it's a little bit of a, a pick from the heart because, like I said, he's one of my favorite drivers, but he's been so close and he's so reliable at Daytona that sooner rather than later, he's going to pick one of these races off. Yeah. My number two is Denny Hamlin, um, you know, and those are kind of chalk picks, but I sort of feel like this year with it being the second year in this next-gen car for NASCAR, the guys are going to have a better feel of how to work the draft in this car and the aerodynamics. And they're changing up some of the airflow into the cars that I think their guys are getting a little more used to my pick to win this race. And and I want to see how things shape out in the duels on, uh, tomorrow and how practice works and everything and who works the draft at plus 3000. My pick to win this race is Ryan priest. Um, he stepped away from NASCAR from the cup series full time uh last season but he's a great overall race car driver guys his first ever daytona 500 he finished 10th um was incredible at evading wrecks he's finished top 10 at talladega um and he's in better equipment and that's my whole thing is he started out with jtg doherty racing um and now he's with stewart Haas racing and that's where tony stewart raced that's where kurt bush raced for a long time that's where kevin harvick still races those guys know how to build good race cars. And I just sort of think when I'm factoring in all the things I like to, to think about when it comes to betting for the Daytona 500 value return, who can actually win this race? Ryan Priest is all of that. Hey, we and talked he about Ryan. Play. Yeah. We he talked about Ryan a couple weeks ago too. So I, I like Ryan Priest as well. That's a very good pick, Jake. Yeah. You know, there's some guys also out there that are, you know, plus 10,000 Corey LaJoy. Uh, is one who, you know, he's found his way to the front at plate tracks was up there a lot. The other uh, last season at Atlanta, which after that repave has become a, a plate track. Yeah. The other two I'd throw out there would be Bubba Wallace and Harrison Burton. Yeah. Yep. Well, I kind of go the other direction here. I like chalk uh, at the clash. I went on Kyle Bush. Uh, I really like Kyle Larson, but I don't know. It's just something about Bush. He's due um and it just seems like sooner or later he's gonna win one he always does so give me the prick once again (laughs) in kyle bush i think he's gonna take it home daytona bright lights that's his type of race all right yeah there's a lot of people picking kyle bush 
I mean, I, I've reason. talked to a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know within NASCAR who they think he's they think he's the car to beat this weekend. There you go. Well, Jake, thank you for joining us on our NASCAR Daytona 500 segment. Jabron, before we let everybody go, let's take a minute to recognize one of our fabulous partners. That is the Nebraska Brewing Company. We've been enjoying the cool beer, the new cream ale. I mean, I know you got a pint over there, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. It might overtake <laughs> Taco Besa as my favorite beer at Nebraska Brewing Company. So I do like that one. Nebraska Brewing Company, world class in every glass. Don't go anywhere. This is WTL. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. Where's the line? I'm your host, Andy Class, and joined by Gibran, the Parley Pounder. Got it. Now we talk NCAA basketball, a little Super Bowl recap, Daytona 500. How about Jake Bartecki? Great. Just great insight. Uh, knows everything about NASCAR that you could actually know. Teammates, make and model, all that stuff. So it was very fun having Jake on, and uh, thank you for jumping on, Jake. Yeah, yeah, he was great. Yeah, he really was getting after it there. Had some great insight and insight that we can use on some of the betting lines that we talked over. So just a great guest for Where's the Line. We'll probably have to look him up again throughout the for summer sure. as NASCAR gets into full swing. Yes, sir, Andy. I Yeah, can't wait to call that guy up on a couple of bets. So. All right, well, let's finish strong like we always do. We're going to start yeah. with the Octagon UFC fight night. Then we're going to get into some world championship boxing from across the pond. Yeah. Nottingham Arena. Not in as, England. Uh, yeah, not as posh as it sounds. Right. It's just a good old boxing arena. <laughs> yeah. We're in store for a good one. But let's start with UFC fight night. Jordan Wright taking on Zach Pauga. Both these guys out of the United States. Pauga, heavy favorite, minus 275 over Jordan Wright. Yeah, Andy. And uh, just the way what you're talking about there, Jordan Wright stumbles into UFC uh, at the apex here for fight night. One and four record in his last five fights. Yeah. He's been finished before the end of the second round in each of his last three outings. Uh, most most recently, uh, TKO lost to uh, Dusko at UFC 62 in Vegas. Um, the way that I think the UFC is kind of going right here is they really like this young kid, Zach Pauga. Mm -hmm. He was on the Ultimate Fighter. He lost in the finale to Usman, which is, you know, the main guy's uh, yeah. little brother in a really good one. Uh, so I think they're trying to hand this guy a win, kind of. Um, mm. But... Uh, I think that's where it's going. Like I said, Zach Palga is coming off a knockout loss to Mohamed Usman in his UFC debut. Uh, they got pretty much similar stats right now, but I think Zach Palga is the overall better technical fighter, and I really think that he might be able to knock this guy out. Well, he weighs so much more. I'm just looking at the tail of the tape, 185 versus 239. Yeah. Uh, that that makes me think Palga has, is going to have a lot more power and you mentioned uh, the the last run that Jordan writes on. His professional record is twelve and four, with all four of those losses coming as of late. Yeah, Andy, and, and like you said, this is a good enough fighter in Jordan Wright to really amp up 
a fight with Palga to yeah. say, oh, Palga just took down a really, really good fighter, a guy that's won 12 fights in the UFC. But also this <laughs> this Palga is going to come in and say, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm here to stay. And th this is a really good fight for him to show that he's that he belongs and yeah. that he has the power to go deep. Yeah, and all the fun starts at 6 Central Time from the UFC Apex in shiny, glitzy Las Vegas, Nevada. Should we talk main event? Let's do it. Let's get it right into it, Andy. That's women's flyweight bout Jessica Andre, the number three contender in the world, hailing out of Brazil with her blue hair, taking yeah. on the American Aaron Blanchfield, who's the number 10 uh, uh 10, uh, what do you want to say? 10 ranked, number yeah. 10. In the world. Yeah, yeah. in the world. In the yeah. world. And she's got a 10 and 1 record to go along with that. Odds kind of hard to come by. So that tells me uh, they're going to be pretty close here. Yeah, no, this is this is a fight that, uh, you know, the tail of the tape, these, these are two of the best, like you said, in the division. Uh, Andre has been a UFC champion and is always looking for that next challenge. So yeah. this is a really good fight for her to, you know, not just get back up to the top, but show people that she's still there. She's still in fight contention and that she can, you know, grab that belt once again after she takes care of Blanchfield. Um, I, I really like Andre's power is what makes her so dangerous. Uh, six of her last nine fights have ended in a knockout victory Ooh. for her. On the other side of that, Blanchfield has yet to knock out anyone at the UFC level. Uh, her wins have come, you know, unanimous decision or submission. Yeah. Um, I, I really like Jessica in this one. I like the power. I like the veteran. I, I like, I just like everything about Jessica. Yeah. You got to like the experience 24, nine uh, professional record compared to 10 and one for only Blanchfield. And once again, I'm looking at the weight 132 yeah. to 125 uh, in favor of, of who you're who you're on here, Jessica Andre. I, I think that's gonna be a factor. Yeah. Uh it, I just think it's all that was a really good point, Sandy, but Blanchfield is inexperienced. Yeah. At the age of twenty three years old, uh she's gonna be in trouble. This is literally one of the best woman fighters of all time at the UFC level in Jessica Andre. She is going to win. Um, right now, like you said, the line sitting there right at, I have her at minus 135. Okay. What you're going to want to look at, Andy, is closer to Saturday, look at Jessica Andre by KO slash TKO. She's Ooh. going to knock this chick out. Jessica by TKO, one of the best bets of the weekend. Little nugget in there. And all this action is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. So yeah. just... Just you got to throw ESPN a couple of little more chips there, you know, just no just add on to the package that you're already all over. So no biggie, no biggie. No Should biggie. we jump across the pond and talk some championship boxing? Yeah, Andy. Uh, this is the WBA World Featherweight title showdown between defending champion Lee Wood, who sits at 26-2, and two, and the challenger Marcio Lara at 25-2-1. and one. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. This, this is going to be a really good one. This was originally scheduled for uh, September of 2022, but postponed because of Woods' injury. Uh, so, I mean, you look at the tail of tape here, Andy, and these yeah. guys are straight across with height, reach, record, stance. Yeah. 
everything. The only yeah. thing that looks a little obscured to me is the age difference. Lee Wood coming in at 34 years of age and uh, Laura at 24. I was going to say 24, hailing from Mexico City. He's got a professional record of 25-2-1. Out of those 25 victories, 18 knockouts. I mean, he is packing a punch with him. And you, do, you talk about <laughs> uh, the age difference. A lot of times those older boxers, they don't fare too well when they're you know, paired up against an up-and-comer, and that might be the case here, Wood versus Laura. Yeah, Andy, uh, that's the way most people are looking at this fight. And, you know, all, all to that, that's the way you have to look at it. Uh, both Wood and Laura are power punchers, Andy, and yeah. who likely stay in the pocket, exchange blows with their opponent. So I, I kind of give the edge here, Andy, to the guy that I think has a little bit more power, a little bit more experience, Ooh. and has taken a few more shots. The, the guy that has the better chin, which I believe that Wood does. I think Ooh. Lee Wood retains the belt. I think he's back to 100%. That's another thing that people are going to be weighing on. Is he 100% coming from that bicep injury that he just had? Yeah, yeah. So you're thinking Wood's going to lay the wood. Yeah, no, I'd take him in a late T TKO, one of the later rounds. So, like we said when we were talking about Terrence Crawford probably about a month ago, yeah. uh, you know, look at those nuggets when they put out these betting lines uh, uh -huh. round 7 through 12, you know, just where it's at because yeah. that's where you find a lot of value. But my best bet of the night for this would Ooh. be a TKO victory for Lee Wood. Okay, okay, well – we haven't hit on one yet, Mr. Parlay Pounder. Do you have a parlay play for the people? I do, Andy, and it's just <laughs> literally going back through the three fights that we just talked about. I got a three-teamer going. Zach Pauga at a minus 280. I got Jessica Andre at a minus 135. And then bringing it all home, Lee Wood at plus 193 right now, putting $20 on this to win 118. Ooh, that's a pretty decent little return rate there. Do you feel pretty good about those three uh, individual fighters? I do. And obviously the big one is taking Lee Wood as the underdog, but I believe that he is back to 100%. I think he has the experience to take down this uh, young up-and-comer. All righty, all righty. Well, that'll about do it for us this week. So be sure to follow us on YouTube for all those YouTube shorts and feature-length videos and episodes. Twitter and TikTok, our daily picks throughout each and every week. Week that's picking up a lot of traction. It is. Very and fun also communicate with you guys. And also those feature-length videos that we're going to be putting on YouTube, and also other play uh, places, other mediums, maybe on down the road, maybe a little teaser right there. So for Jobron, the Parlay Pounder, I'm Andy Classen. Thanks, folks, for listening. This has been. WTL.